Welcome to the Omaha Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Mosley from the Mosley Group at MP Dodge, and I'm here with co-host Scott Dobby, the Executive Director of Omaha by Design. Every month, the Omaha Podcast brings you the most relevant information on the Omaha real estate scene. We strive to educate and empower homeowners to invest in the city we call home. Today, we're talking about the importance of housing affordability, or as Scott had said, unaffordability, and how organizations in Omaha are trying to help. Today, we're joined by special guest, Sydney Franklin, president and CEO of 75 North Revitalization Corp. Prior to her term at 75 North, Franklin worked as an economic and community development manager with the Greater Omaha Chamber of Commerce. She also serves as a board member for Omaha by Design and the City of Omaha's planning board. Welcome, Sydney. Hey, thanks, Nathan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and it's definitely humid and hot out there. Uh, start of spring is starting to feel like spring out there. Yeah. So let's let's. What do we love about spring? Let's just kind of take it in nice and easy on the topic. <laughs> it was like flipping a switch out there, wasn't yeah, it? So like it was. the humidity came back it's, like that. They're right. Nebraska's in full force this week. <laughs> yes. Every season in one week. Yeah. Um. So I walked my dog this morning, and when we got back home, his feet were covered in mud. And I have to just accept that for the next several <laughs> weeks of, yeah. you know, muddy paws. And I, I usually try to find a, a big grassy patch for him to run around in to get some of that mud off before we go home. So while it kind of um, is not always fun, I enjoy spring because of muddy, wet dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, uh, I will take the the muddy idea and and say we've got plenty of mud uh, in the house as well. Yeah. It came in last night after t ball practice because oh, no. we were out there when it started to rain. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it just gives them even more energy. Right. But that is kind of what I'm pumped about. If if you're asking uh, for the spring, you know, it's it's fun uh, it with is. small kids to get outside, and uh, you need the sanity as parents to get mm-hmm. them outside yeah. of those four mm-hmm. walls. And I'm have the privilege of coaching mm-hmm. a uh, t-ball oh, team again this year. So my my uh, kindergarten age son is on a team, and uh, we we asked the kids. Um, it's a great little co-ed bunch of them. Uh, if you know, to, to pick their mascot, so mm-hmm. we are green jerseys, and okay. we thought we'd maybe be the green dragons or mm-hmm. something along those mm-hmm. lines. They came back as we are Team Broccoli. Wow. <laughs> so that probably tells you everything you need to know about how fearsome the squad right, is yeah. right, this year, too. Right. Broccoli's fierce. Have you have you heard of Savannah Bananas? Have you heard about this yeah, yeah, minor league day. team? It's like no. all the rage down in Georgia. This this guy, he he had this idea. He wanted to be an owner of a baseball team in this this franchise down in Georgia. Savannah, I don't know what their mascot used to be, but it was like bankrupt and nobody ever came to the to the games. And so he <laughs> bought it, like took all of his money and he started this franchise or he started this, uh, took over ownership of the team and he renamed it the Savannah Bananas. And they're, they're like all the rage wow. down in Savannah, like sold out crowds. They have like uh, grandmas as the dance team wow. and anything's possible. Yes. Anything. Absolutely. You know, you got like a lot of teams will do like the walk up music yeah, and stuff, kind yeah. of pump up music, but they've got something for like the whole dugout, like just <laughs> burst out dancing. I and love it. Them up, so, so broccoli could be something. Fair you enough. Can, you can All have right. a good team. I like that. You know, what's, if you need a mascot, so my daughter is almost three, and last year for Halloween, um, my sister is big into all things holidays, especially Halloween. So we were doing some back and forth on her Halloween costume, and 
guess what I suggested as her costume? A broccoli, like a, you know, something easy, a green like leotard with the yeah. something homemade. Ooh, well, and I, I was, that was vetoed. But <laughs> if your team needs a mascot, we may need we to do. rethink that. And we and found get that it. mask. Yeah. Yes, you found it. <laughs> yeah. There. So just we'll stay in touch around that <laughs> as well. Right. Yeah. All the Invitations things we have going. Yeah. Well, you guys <laughs> are kind of going on a negative tone with spring. So I think I have to, you know, the mud and everything. So I'm going to stick with that. I don't know if the storms woke you up last night. No, I like I love spring storms, but I hate it overnight because the kids all wake yeah. up and they come into your room oh, like, multiple yeah. times a night. Like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. thunder is mm-hmm. scary. And it's like it's not that scary. It's just thunder. But, you know, in the middle of the night. So I don't know. That's the one thing I have to say. But I love spring. I love <laughs> yeah. the warmer weather. I'm just ready for it to stay and not. Right. Be the, right. You know, it's kind fourth spring. Right. It's energizing. It feels like anything's possible yeah. at the beginning of spring, I think. I like that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into today's topic, uh, talking about housing affordability or unaffordability and why it's become such a big issue. Uh, We've already discussed in past episodes uh, how the low housing inventory problem has led to skyrocketing prices in all neighborhoods around the city, not just in, you know, certain desirable neighborhoods, but all neighborhoods. Um, and the, the stats for first quarter. So back in January, we kind of looked at, all right, let's, let's look at what we think might happen in 2022 mm-hmm. and things have kind of, uh, borne out how we thought they would, right? Mm-hmm. Like nothing has cooled down. The stats mm-hmm. are in and the cost is, uh, the cost of buying a house has skyrocketed at an even higher pace yep. than prior uh, years. So if you look at, um, the first quarter of this year, uh, the average Closed price for an existing home was up 18% over a year ago. 18%. That's that's, that's just big jump. That is crazy. Um, and has settled right around 298, 134. So right around that 300,000 mark as the average to get into a house in Omaha. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like in context, a year ago, that was at 252, 252,000. So seeing that, and then as you look at uh, the number of new listings in existing uh, construction, like existing homes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about the same pace, but that was already half of what was prior year. So we're, we're on pace of last year, but that's still low. We're yeah. still really low. So, and kind of the big, what's been advertised as the big savior to this inventory crisis of new construction also hasn't really come to bear because of the, the supply chain issues and everything else. We're down 30% on new construction over a year ago. uh, And the price of a new construction, buying a new home is up almost 40% over a year ago. It is wild. It is crazy. So, you know, as I've thought about, you know, I have some FHA buyers and VA buyers. Mm -hmm. The people that lose out in this scenario are those that don't have the funds, the cash, the capital to Mm -hmm. be able to put a large down payment, to be able to... um, you know, like some people are buying houses all cash, right? 30% right. of transactions Who are can all cash. with that? Right, you right. can't, yeah. you can't. And so when you have, you know, I'm helping a first-time home buyer who's a conventional buyer, but we go into houses and we're, you know, already the first day, 10, 11, 12 offers in, we already know we don't have right. a chance. Right. And so what what would be the solution to this, right? Like mm-hmm. what, are, what are some of the things that are going to help alleviate the situation and not just for the supply, Mm -hmm. but for first time home buyers or those that don't necessarily have the, the means to put a significant down payment on a house. Right. So, uh, that's kind of the topic we're going for today as we talk about affordability. So big question. Yeah. I'm going to turn it to you guys to start us off. What can we do about this issue? 
What do you think needs to be done to solve this besides new construction? Yeah. I I wish I had an answer, Nathan. It's this is such a challenging topic. I, you know, the the lens that I'm coming from is slightly different, I think, than, you know, maybe just a, a regular, you know, person that is um you know, looking to buy a home because I uh, work for a nonprofit housing developer. You know, one of the things when you were talking about some of these increases in both um, existing housing stock and also in new construction, one of the things I was thinking about was there used to be something, and, and, and it may be in certain pockets of Omaha and across the country this still exists, but there used to be something called naturally occurring affordable housing. Yeah. It was, it was, it didn't have a designation. It wasn't necessarily subsidized. It was just, be, you know, because of the demographic makeup or of a neighborhood or maybe adjacency to um, a certain workforce opportunity, um, or maybe even the, um, the age of, of mm-hmm. the housing stock, the housing was naturally affordable, whether it was uh, for sale or for rental. And you're seeing less and less of that. Mm-hmm. I know this, you know, this is a, a, a small piece of a bigger conversation. A part of it is just, you know, the, the market today is, is so conducive for an investor that has that cash to come in and buy up this housing stock. A lot of times that is naturally affordi- affordable um, housing. And, and, and then after that investment is made, it is no longer that it's, it's, it's um, inaccessible to uh, families of moderate incomes and especially um, uh, attainable to families that have lower incomes. Mm -hmm. And so what, you know, again, the lens that I'm coming from as a, um, as a nonprofit housing developer whose entire mission, um, and I know we'll get into it, of the organization I work for, which is called 75 North, is um, preserving affordability and accessibility for low to moderate income families while also attracting higher incomes through market rate housing and, and through really highly amenitized, you know, really well designed mm. and thoughtful um, product all in one kind of concentrated area. Uh, you know, we think we have a solution from a nonprofit standpoint, but outside of that, um, I, you know, some of the studies that have been done year after year, particularly in the um, eastern part of Omaha, but specifically northeast Omaha, shows that, you know, the, the, the percentage of homes that are being built overwhelmingly are subsidized. And so that can create issue in itself. And so I feel like I'm providing a a huge non-answer here. (laughs) Um, but I, you know, the, the market is, 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 is such that everything that you said, I mean, I don't know what the answer is for maybe a a first time home buyer or someone, um, you know, that can't afford a $300,000 home, or put $50,000 in cash down in a home, what the solution is for them. I wish I had that answer and I don't. Mm-hmm. Scott, what do you think? Well, I don't have the answer. That was a much more thorough answer than I've got. But, you know, I think number one is the fact that we're talking about this. I mean, that's what's that's kind true. of critical, like recognizing it. And again, for any platform we have in these spaces, because we have to understand yeah. that the overall success, I mean, every one of us is connected to this issue. It doesn't matter whether you're in yeah. the market for housing at this moment in life or not, right. um, we're all connected as a community in mm-hmm. that. And so if it's unattainable to be able to just live, you know, and have the the trappings of like a comfortable American life right. here, um, mm-hmm. we've really put up a barrier that's going to slow us all down. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, it's about uh, that 
thing I always come back to, which is like love your city and love mm-hmm. every yeah. neighborhood of your yeah. city, you know, care deeply about that. And then if there's a way that you can contribute to solutions mm-hmm. or even just raise awareness in yeah. that right. space, that's helpful to do. So yeah. you mapped out the complexity. I'm yeah. just saying the kind of the why at a broad sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, I think the thing that maybe not scares me, but that I think is a concern is those buyers that have the capital or the cash on hand to be able to get the most desirable homes that are in better condition and updated that leaves properties that are in disrepair Mm -hmm. that have major expenses upcoming Mm -hmm. to those that maybe can't buy the updated house. And so then they're in a house for the first time. Great. But now they have all these repairs that they can't make. The house falls in further disrepair or they have, you know, they go bankrupt or have to pull credit or whatever it might be. So it just kind of creates a vicious cycle of those that have exactly. are able to get what they want and those that don't, yeah. don't. Yeah. And it makes me think too, Nathan, that it's definitely not a one size fits all solution. No. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we've looked at housing historically and particularly here in the Midwest, we've kind of treated it as such like, mm-hmm. yeah, you need a roof over your house and you want to own it. Well, that's a single mm-hmm. family detached house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's right. not really necessarily the best solution for everybody. For everyone, and certainly right. not for all those stages of life. You talk about the yeah. maintenance that comes with a, a home and many people want that and desire. That's great. But if you'd like to share some of those yep. duties, I, I think one of the opportunities we have, and this will get into, you know, mm-hmm. infill and and the ways that we revitalize neighborhoods that already exist in our city as well, is recognizing how do we do more with the space we have. Mm-hmm. Um, right. We're truly not space contra- constrained here in the Midwest yeah. and in the Omaha. So I was going to say, so it's not just an Omaha issue. That's a Midwestern kind of philosophy about mm-hmm. home ownership is this is mine. I'm going to fix it off and... Yeah, as opposed to, you know, there's this bigger conversation around the missing middle, mm-hmm. um, you know, ho- housing um, and, and what are the like diverse options for people, no matter their stage in life, if they're looking for home ownership. Um, and I think to your previous point about the awareness to this this issue and the fact that Omaha by design and 75 North get to be a player um, in this field where we can create some of those um, options and solutions for families that are looking for that diversity I think is super cool yeah yeah missing so it's middle a, housing yeah missing middle housing I'll let you Scott that's <laughs> You could probably articulate it a little better than I get. <laughs> doubtful, doubtful for <laughs> sure. But okay, I'll try. All uh, right. Uh, you know, so for anybody that maybe just isn't familiar with the term, basically it's understanding that there's kind of a, a meaty middle of housing typologies. So if you run the gamut from everything like a, a large, multi-story, multi-family apartment building, think of that on one side. And then on the other spectrum is a single family home, maybe on a very large lot, Mm -hmm. you know, an acreage or something like that. Well, there's a whole lot in between. And traditionally, uh, cities have developed with a lot of that layered complexity in that middle zone. And that's everything from row houses Mm -hmm. and duplexes and cottage courts and accessory dwelling units or what folks call granny flats, you know, things Mm -hmm. like that. Row houses, I said, uh, well, that middle doesn't get built a lot right. anymore. And that's for reasons that have to do with zoning and, you know, some preference and some financial things yeah. and others. But uh, there is a great potential in that space mm-hmm. where we have more folks uh, living a, a little bit closer together, but in a way that everybody still has their own space in right. a beautiful way. And um, 
you can get a lot more from the affordability side, right. more bang for your buck mm-hmm. when we have those models yeah. in place as well. So and those, those, that idea and uh, come on, that was perfect. No. That was a perfect <laughs> articulation. Well done, Scott. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that thinking works well in an urban setting where someone may, may be looking for kind of a closer knit community possibly, or something that's more walkable or has amenities that mm-hmm. may be shared. Um, and so that's, you, you know, while 75 North, the, the first phases, you know, everything that we've done to date, um, has been rental, but Scott and I get to work together to think really, um, creatively about, um, what, um, an affordable, accessible single family, um, dwelling will look like in a neighborhood like Highlander, but future iterations could include those more diverse housing stocks, like you referenced with the missing middle housing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's fun to think too about different stages of life and mm-hmm. different family structures. And I mean, we all know that like, it's not always, you know, uh, uh, the the nuclear family and 2.5 kids or whatever they said it was. I mm-hmm. mean, there is so much yeah. uh, variety in this town. And I think our, our housing stock should really match. Yeah, if we're gonna... it should. I th- you know, the, the thing, and, and, and again, um, to your point about the complexity of this issue, which it really is, what is a, as a real, a real estate agent, mm-hmm. what is a today, a, a celebrity home go for, which historically has been considered kind of an entry level mm-hmm. model, yep. Yep. an entry level, you know, maybe a first time home buyer neighbor. Now those are almost um, two eighty five. I mean, come I think on. Last I looked, two eighty five to build a new split split entry home. So part of um, the challenge in a neighborhood like Highlander in North Omaha is that we know that today we likely can't sell a home for what it'll cost us to construct it. Mm -hmm. One, there's no uh, comp market Mm -hmm. to support. You know, if we're investing two hundred and sixty thousand dollars in a home, um, there aren't any good comparables if we're doing yeah. any kind of market analysis for someone to take that or evaluation to go get a mortgage to mortgage a, a home let alone today that's not necessarily who we're targeting we're you know we're trying to create an, an, an inventory and an opportunity for that low to um, modern income buyer mm-hmm. and then ultimately create um, a, a mixed income model where a market rate buyer can come in and so part of the reason where I, I know a big piece of these studies that have been going on is that, you know, a lot of the housing in North Omaha is being subsidized and across East Omaha. And, and that's a, a completely separate conversation. But it's like if, if that's not happening because a for profit entity is not going to sell a house for less than it costs them to construct, then then who who else is going to? to build that home mm-hmm. and sell it and make it available to a lower income family that deserves a quality safe home for themselves and for their, for their families. And so we're really proud that we get to be in this position to create those opportunities, but it is also um, essential that we're not reconcentrating poverty. That's kind of the, yeah, yeah. the hinge point on um, mixed income communities is that, you know, one, they, they allow uh, for communities to, to desegregate, you know, from a oftentimes a racial standpoint, but also an economic one, you know, with incomes. But two, mixed income communities can be more resilient and vibrant than ones that are historically impoverished, like Highlander, which is where 75 North is is located. So, um, you know, it's I when I when we kind of discussed what we were going to talk about today in, in this kind of big opening question. And I felt like, Oh my gosh, what they're like, what (laughs) solutions are there to offer? You know, I think what 75 North is doing is a really good entry point. Um, and the market will respond at some point. It's just essential that we remain a player because as the market responds and that private person, that private business figures out a way to sell a house 
and make a profit, we still have to find a way to make the neighborhood and the broader community affordable, um, particularly um, um, because of the kind of history of the neighborhood with redlining and other issues re related to, um, you know, fair housing um, or, or the lack thereof yeah. fair housing laws. Yeah. Can you, can you maybe um, talk to the listeners a little bit of, you know, 75 North was born, uh, you know, many years ago prior mm -hmm. to the affordability issue that we have today, prior to the um, or the awareness of it at least. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right, right. right. And the, the idea of a uh, low inventory, where did where did 75 North, the idea of 75 yeah. North come from? So really, our impetus story, impetus story is around an availability of land um, in um, a historically disinvested um, community called Highlander. So Highlander um, is one of Omaha's oldest neighborhoods. It's a historically African-American community, um, but it was also um, the site of, it was a, a place where poverty was concentrated through public housing. So... There were two large-scale public housing sites. One was called Hilltop Homes that was demolished in the late 1990s. It's now the site of the largest African-American church in the state called Salem Baptist Church. Um, and, a, and Walgreens on 30th and Lake mm -hmm. Street uh, mm -hmm. was also part of Hilltop Homes. And then Pleasant View Homes uh, was another large-scale, was about 300, you know, unit barrack-style public housing site, really poorly designed, um, uh, the, the source of a lot of community deterioration was demolished in the late, um, I'm sorry, 2009, 2010. And so what was left was a contiguous, almost 25 acre site. I believe if it had existed in any other part of the city, some private developer would have, you know, scooped up that land and invested heavily into some um, opportunity. But because of the stigma of the housing projects, that land set vacant for a number of years. And so um, a, a really forward-thinking local philanthropist and partner to 75 North um, hired, a, what what year is it? Um, probably in 2010, um, 75 North founding president and CEO Othello Meadows uh, to guide the acquisition of that land, knowing that there was some opportunity to strengthen that neighborhood using that contiguous acreage as the foundation of something. And so um, there is a connection um, in Omaha to a national model of community development called purpose-built communities uh, that's based on the successful revitalization of a demographically similar neighborhood called East Lake in Atlanta that is now um, just a vibrant mixed income community that has um, that's kind of that surrounds um, an, an elementary, middle, and high school uh, that is mixed income, uh, a large scale housing uh, development that's mixed income, home ownership opportunities, robust commercial amenities. That neighborhood revitalization is kind of the foundation of purpose built communities. And that in 75 North is now one of almost 30 neighborhoods across, or I'm sorry, organizations that are running neighborhood revitalization projects across the country using that model. And so we became a member of Purpose Built Communities in 2011 or 12, um, and we underwent a master planning process to um, construct a mixed use, really high quality housing development, um, and um, a highly amenitized, and, and I know that that's not a word, but it's one that I, <laughs> a term that I use all the time. Um, and, and what I mean is, um, all the things that we want for ourselves and for our children yeah. where we live. So, yeah. you know, safe places for our, our children to play, safe sidewalks on which to walk, places to gather, uh, places to eat and have uh, healthy food options, Wi-Fi, um, all of those things kind of in a coordinated um, 
a, a coordinated initiative. And so, so 75 North spent um, probably 2011 to 2014 going through a master planning process, raising now over $105 million that we've invested wow. into Highlander. Yeah, through a multi-phased um, commercial and residential um, project. So the Highlander Accelerator, for any listener that's been there, it's a large-scale community enrichment center. It's kind of the anchor of the neighborhood and the hub for a lot of those resources that I kind of mentioned, those amenities. So satellite campus for mm-hmm. Creighton University and Metro Community College. So GED prep, um, English as a second language learning, adult basic education, uh, financial literacy, um, a large scale greenhouse. I'm super proud to announce this is kind of brand new news. Let's get some tea going. Um, uh, no More Empty Pots, Nancy, run by Nancy Williams. Uh, they are another North Omaha-based nonprofit. They uh, focus on food entrepreneurship, um, um, food access, healthy food access, um, and kind of um, just food equity issues. They are going to uh, move into the accelerator. Not They're going to open up a new space. They're going to still be in Florence in their current space. They're going to activate the Highlander Accelerator's greenhouse, which is almost 20,000 square feet, wow. uh, through um, kind of vertical grow, farming, botanicals, leafy greens, They'll have um, education and workforce uh, training programs, a small retail component um, on the ground floor. It's going to be super cool. We'll have to come back and talk. about. Well, it's not really. It's uh, <laughs> not real estate. But. No, it is. It is so cool. And, yeah. it, and here's the limitation of the format because I'm over here like air clapping. And I'm like, what well, <laughs> But I am so thrilled I, to hear I, that. Yeah, I feel like I'm getting off track. But, th- but this no, is kind of the, no. the this anchor piece of the neighborhood. All the housing that we've constructed is adjacent to this facility. It has a huge lawn where we do yoga and, and have movie nights and concerts. Um, and the other three phases that we've done are the first one was 111 units of mixed income housing. And so when I say mixed income, uh, roughly two thirds of the homes that we've constructed are subsidized based on an income cap. So you mm-hmm. can't make in one of those thirds, you can't make more than 50% of the area median income. So, you know, no one uh, hold me to this, but roughly for um, a family of one, um, in this area, um, it's about $53,000 annually. So you can't make 50% of that. So just over $25,000 would be the cap that you can make to qualify for about a third of our units. Mm-hmm. There's another third that has a 60% income cap. So you can do the the quick math for a family of four. That's about $74,000 a year. So if you have a, if you have a, if you're a husband and wife or two, uh, two adults and two children, um, you couldn't make more than whatever mm-hmm. 50% of 74 or 60% of $74,000 a year to qualify for those two categories of units. And then the final third is unrestricted. So yeah. that's how we do, um, market rate and mixed income housing. Uh, we have a senior facility, uh, called Nobility Point that opened last February. You have to be 62 or older to live there. It's a little bit, um, more heavily subsidized because of the demographic with age. Um, but there is a component of market rate there and then the rest is, is subsidized. And then in December in 2021, we broke ground on an additional 108 units of mixed income housing with, um, a retail component on the ground floor. So we've got some exciting potential commercial tenants moving into that space to kind of add to the 
the vibrancy around you know commercial activity along the North 30th corridor. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And if anybody hasn't seen it, get up there, check yeah. it out. You yeah. know, grab yeah. some coffee, grab some lunch. Thank walk you, around. I, Scott. It's I appreciate phenomenal. that. It's thank you. And then the, just the last kind of piece of, of 75 North, you know, to round out what Purpose Built Community really stands for is a strong education pipeline. If you think about attracting um, a person, a family of, of choice to a neighborhood that is historically disinvested. Mm-hmm historically impoverished, you know, it's not just the thoughtfulness and the, the design. It's not just the quality and the amenity. Um, you know, all it sounds like everyone here has children. If you're thinking about potentially investing in a 30-year mortgage in a community, what's the very first thing you're going to be thinking about if you're a parent? What are the schools like, it right? Matters. Yep. And the, ma- the schools are everything. It matters almost more than anything else if you're a parent. And so, it, you know, we can build the coolest, highest quality most, you know, efficient homes. But if the, the, the school down the street, you know, isn't high quality, you may think twice about buying that house. And so 75 North is in year six of a 10 year, um, what's called a community partnership agreement with Omaha public schools to strengthen our neighborhood school. So our school has a longer school day and school year than other OPS elementary schools. They have a project-based learning cur- curriculum, a STEAM, so science, tech, engineering, art, math cur- curriculum. Their teachers and, and principal and leaders get per, uh, specialized professional development training. Uh, they have a they have um, literacy, math, and science labs. It's just a kind of a whole new school, and so all of this is focused around. Uh, the North 30th Street quarter concentrated in Highlander, which is roughly 30th and Lake Street for those that are looking for. Yeah. can provide ad- addresses if needed. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys kind of talk about um, things that are presently on the table and, you know, new announcements of things coming up in the mm-hmm. near term. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is kind of a question for both of you. Uh, as you think long term, like Omaha by Design, some of the work that you guys are doing, how do you see this idea of affordability and housing affordability and infill and some of the kind of middle ground that we've lost? What do you see happening in the next 10, 15 years to help with that as a solution, right? Like oh, yeah. Maybe you don't have all the answers and maybe you can't share everything. We've got a cool one, though. We do. Well, we we, we have a little something cooking in that space. And I I think we should talk about that. And, but I I would start just by saying we need those examples, Yeah, you know, and that's why I am excited in my role to be able to like elevate what I think are like sometimes those challenging projects, Mm -hmm. right? Like when you come to a neighborhood that is maybe predominantly single family homes and you talk about building row houses, Mm -hmm. you will sometimes get pushback. From the neighborhood. Oh, you will. And when you talk about, um, you know, city does the perfect job explaining why a mixed income neighborhood mm-hmm. has all these advantages, why mm-hmm. that's actually such a healthier and more resilient mm-hmm. and sustainable mm-hmm. community. And yet there's also pushback, mm-hmm. you know, when mm-hmm. there's, you know, they're putting the apartments down the street or mm-hmm. whatever. And the more we can show good models of how this is done and how successful they are. I mean, anybody that, again, if, if we do one thing, we're going to get our listeners to run up and, and see the Highlander because when you see it, then you believe it. Right. I mean, what's the wait list? Uh, oh, it's to, to actually hundreds long. Hundreds it, it's long. hundreds yeah. long, right? Across our, our market rate and subsidized units. Wow. Yeah, hundreds long. And when, you, when you're there, you can see why. Yeah. Because you're like, yeah, this is where you'd want to live. Yep. You know, and it's it's all that from the yoga in mm-hmm. the park to beyond. And that is just the model of what we need to do. Now, the way that one came about Obviously, as you described, mm-hmm. it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't just wave a wand and it happens. No. A lot of hard work and collaboration mm-hmm. and vision over years to make it go. But 
because of the leading you're doing and kind of helping to create those kind of ideas of how neighborhoods revitalize, mm -hmm. I hope that then in a way that becomes more standard operating procedure. Right. And that in neighborhoods similar throughout our city, we start to see that kind of growth and infill that mm -hmm. leads to that kind of character that strengthens all of them. Yeah, yeah. The, you bring up such a good point because I, one of the things that I think we do well at 75 North, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but we do like to position ourselves as like the example. We like to say, yeah, it's, this is, maybe it's never been done here, but we can do it and we'll show you how to do it. So we're always inviting people down, touring, showing, um, whether it's a, you know, a public official, um, a potential investor, you know, families, um, business owners, um, what's possible. We're, um, we don't mind being the guinea pigs. We like to do what we do at a really high level. Um, and, we, you know, when you think about the makeup of a neighborhood, the the, the infrastructure, like the physical makeup the, of the neighborhood is so important. And so we invest heavily, heavily in that, you know, clearly um, in the structures, the homes. Uh, but there's also this kind of thinking around what vibrancy looks like and how all of these things adjacent to these physical structures that are yeah. um, we consider these supportive things are, are so, so right. important. And that's also part, Nathan, to going back to your first question, that's a part of it, too. We think we can impact it in a really um, kind of cool and, and substantial way in Highlander, how that translates to the rest of Omaha um, and this in this challenging market for lower income families. I don't know what those answers are. Mm -hmm. You know, you, what was the beautiful word you made up a minute ago about like amenitized? Oh, highly amenitized. Highly amenitized. <laughs> yes. so I like the highly amenitized yes. life because what you're saying in that, it doesn't necessarily mean like luxurious life. Like I don't need a luxurious life. I think a lot of us aren't seeking that. But you need you're a sidewalk seeking a, up to code. Yeah. <laughs> you're seeking a basic like place where you can have this vibrant life that allows your family to do the things that you'd like yeah. to do and you know that strengthens all those bonds between yeah. neighbors and community and it's not rocket science no so no. we build it in yeah it, housing impacts literally everything it you know it's 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 it impacts as i mentioned education it impacts our mental and physical health there's so many families that are living in some of the and, and i was about to say in these older neighborhoods in, in the city but sometimes it, it's not just these older neighborhoods but in homes that are just not healthy yeah you know, that are challenged in different ways, either with the materials, you know, that the home was built with or, you know, it, the it, whatever's next door down the street, you know, it's and and it it impacts workforce. It impacts, um, yep. you know, uh, commercial activity, all these yep. things that um, it, it just impacts opportunity. Yep. You know, and, and so so that's why this is um, all, you know, we 75 North, if, so, if people could see me, my hands are kind of far apart. Our scope of work is that big, but our, you know, kind of foundation about what we're doing is is um, housing accessibility. It's really the root of everything. Housing for the American dream is is the opportunity to build wealth, right? Exactly. It's the one uh, hedge against inflation. It's likely the is, biggest, the largest yes. asset that most of us won't. Yes. And so like it, it's to the benefit of Omaha, right? To everybody. Oh, for sure. Yeah. To have as many people as possible being able to actually have that investment and yep. something to fall back on. Yeah. 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 And, and, and so, um, you know, one of the things we're also trying to invest in at 75 North and in Highlander is just a curriculum around estate planning so that, you know, when the, there's opportunities for a transfer of wealth, whether it's title clearing, whether it's, you know, you know, if there's a property tax issue that those are cleared so that there can be a transfer transfer of wealth so that families can 
um, grow their, uh, you know, their wealth generating opportunities intergenerationally, which is something that um, I think could use a bigger spotlight in Omaha. For sure, for sure. And, you know, as we think about like (laughs) moving into uh, spaces where you would uh, uh, have that opportunity, I mean, part of it is is lowering of of barriers Mm -hmm. as well that Mm -hmm. exist. I mean, like just being cognizant of back to the affordability. Yeah conversation in that way um what does it take and Mm -hmm. and things that we might have taken for granted like if you ask yourself um uh, what 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 help did you have or what connection did you have that Mm -hmm. helped you negotiate Mm -hmm. that when you're entering into what for most of us for me certainly would be the biggest transaction you've ever made in your life buying your first home i mean Mm -hmm. that is a big everybody remembers that day um so what can we do then in neighborhoods that are seeing that kind of growth and yeah. development and change. Well, the good thing, help. In, well, the good thing in Nathan as a realtor can, you know, maybe talk more about this, but you know, fair housing laws, federal fair housing laws and state fair housing laws are kind of catching up. Um, the maybe damage that's, you, you know, done where, uh, you know, you know, based on the color of your skin or where you were looking to buy a home, you didn't have access to, a, you know, a, an FHA loan, let's say, you know, while that still maybe happens today, some of those practices, it's those are lessening because a very, very strict fair housing laws at the state level and the federal level. Um, other ways to reduce those barriers, I think, you know, um, awareness is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, there's so many training opportunities um, that exist across Omaha. A lot of them are led by nonprofits that help families not only prepare financially, but kind of the, the concept of home ownership, like, there's a concept like it's I, I mean, I don't know if everyone here is a homeowner, but it's like it's not just paying your mortgage every month. There's so much that goes into it. It's, it's even down to just being a good neighbor. Like, I, you know, and, and if, if if maybe if if you didn't. Well, it's a little like it, parenthood. It, it you is. You're like, why? Like, There's what no I, manual yeah, for no this. No one told you know? me <laughs> I was supposed to be con- think even thinking about that. And so the cool thing is that there are these resources that are becoming better and better organized, more and more invalo- available to, to, to people, um, I think is one way to reduce some of the barriers. Um, Where can somebody go to find those if, if that's what they're looking for in their stage of their life? Yeah. So one of the, the partners that we work with is called Family Housing Advisory Services and Omaha 100. They do a lot of first-time homebuyer counseling. Um, they also underwrite mortgages that are probably a little bit more favorable than if you go to the bank, you know, down the street. But I mean, that's that's up to you, um, individual, to you know choose where you um, where to to look for a mortgage for your home or any kind of lo- uh, loan. Uh, but they're a partner uh, of ours in all of our homes at 75 North, especially the first couple phases, um, as we're targeting mo- like a, a, a moderate. Um, income family um, will go through Family Housing Advisory Services in, in Omaha 100. They have long wait lists of families that are looking to buy homes in North Omaha that are high quality, that are well designed and thoughtful, and that are close to amenities. And so we got something for them. And we do. It's speaking yeah. of partnerships, you yeah. know. Um, do you want to? Uh, no, I'll let you. No, okay, no, fine. no. Big announcement. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, we're. we're I will speak from the Omaha by Design standpoint because we're thrilled. Um, we've been able to partner with Sydney and her wonderful team at Thank 75 you. North uh, in pursuit of uh, what we're calling the Affordable by Design Housing Playbook. And this is getting back to the idea that, look, um, housing does can't come in all shapes and sizes and needs to for these neighborhoods. But naturally, you know, the single family house is still something that, that matters a yeah. lot. And in a lot of these uh, neighborhoods where you've got a, a, a density developing, as you talked about, around the accelerator, take the Highlander, for example – 
then they also kind of like uh, fade out a little bit, like in a in a physical sense, yep. to uh, single family lower density, lower density. Step down. Yes, mm-hmm. perfect. And in that vein, uh, what we've wanted to do was look at how do we use ideas like design and construction mm-hmm. innovation, mm-hmm. as well as some financial yep. innovation yep. to see if we can't accelerate the production of really like super high quality, uh, newly constructed homes. Yeah. And we put a lot of smart minds together yeah. uh, in, in a few rooms and family housing advisory services mm-hmm. and Omaha 100 and mm-hmm. others were really helpful on the mm-hmm. back end too, just yeah. even surveying what was, what was needed out yeah. there. And we're, we're going to be excited. We're going to roll out some actual yeah. prototypes that uh, may have a have an exciting future right there yeah. at the Highlander. Yeah, Does this playbook have a, like, is this something that the listener could see online or not? For sure. It's going to be open day. source. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very when, soon. Yeah, very soon. <laughs> we gotta, we it's really move. exciting. Scott Scott organized one hell of a team. We have a design partner in Ali Pointer, Maketo. Uh-huh. Locally, they have supported us in, in getting, um, really, they've led us in, in yes, getting- um, this organized, and it's going to be a tool for nonprofits like 75 North for, you know, the regular Joe Schmo that wants to maybe invest in um, a single family um, um, housing product, uh, maybe a family that wants to construct a home. Um, it, it's a tool that uh, will ideally create some ease in that process for a lot of folks. And because 75 North, we're in a really good position. One, we had the land available. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of a no brainer there, but also we have an ability to leverage partners to grow um, the funding sources that we need to invest in a, in a really cool model to kind of exemplify what this could be. And again, I understand that the lens I'm coming from is slightly different because we're a nonprofit. We can raise um, funds through avenues that maybe a regular person or a for-profit business cannot. And so that puts us in a little bit of a different um, kind of spot than than other entities or individuals, uh, but we're going to show what's possible using the playbook, and uh, we have a uh, we're going to do it in a phased approach. Um, and with those partners that Scott mentioned, we are going to basically create an abundance of homeowner op- home yeah. ownership opportunities in Highlander. And like we're like both we're like the we're having to like restrain ourselves because it's we're so excited about this. You guys are dancing around. Yeah, like we're dancing. <laughs> you can't see us, but we're break dancing yeah. right now. Yeah. No, and in Sydney, I like that you point out too. Like it's really unique that in the place of a nonprofit uh-huh. developer like yourself, um, yeah, okay, uh, you have capabilities yeah. that some others yeah. can't. You know, mm-hmm. uh, in the strictly for profit right. sense, and yet what you're doing is you're leading. Mm-hmm. You, there's that gap there right now, and leading and kind of building that ecosystem, kind of again showing the way. Right. And then through this playbook, which again is going to be an open source document, we want it to be really useful to anybody. Could be the uh, small and emerging developer. Mm-hmm. who's just, you know, right now f- buying a house and fixing it up and flipping mm-hmm. it or something mm-hmm. like that, but could envision coming in. Uh, it could be a homeowner in a, in a neighborhood right now that um, looks to invest, wants to stay where they are. You right. know, maybe there's a, a vacant lot next door that they could uh, add this housing. I mean, we have a lot of places like this in right. East Omaha and Council Bluffs. And these are ways of just like stitching back community yeah. and mm-hmm. strengthening. And then that. as we do so, hopefully growing that, market dynamic right. that allows for these things to appraise for that right, right. constructed value. Yeah. The market will respond. It I just, will. we just don't know when. Yeah. Let's boil this down for the listener. We're kind of running out of time here. So what's one takeaway that you hope the listener takes from this, uh, this episode? Um, I, I love what Scott said just about the awareness of this super important issue. I don't know what, you know, the, 
the regular person like me or mm-hmm. Scott or anyone, you know, an, an everyday person can do to address this, you know, f- housing affordability or unaffordability unaffordability issue, which is it, unaffordability or unaffordability? You know what I You're mean. You're good at inventing words. I, 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 I will, like all right. of them. But if you right, said it, it's real. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, but I think I think um, an awareness of it um, is is super important. Um, and um, I, and the other thing I think is just uh, you know, patronizing some of the businesses at Highlander yeah, yes. is also super cool. We we have partnered with a a, a slew of, of small businesses that are operating in the Highlander. Um, we have an event space down there. You know, they could always use support. And so um, all of this increases our ability to make good investments in Highlander and to create housing that's well-designed and affordable and accessible um, while also, um, you know, housing that uh, is market rate and, and attracts, uh, you know, someone that may have a higher income, which is very essential to this puzzle as well. So I, I'd say those things. What about you? <laughs> and I say what she said. There I, we go. I, yeah, there I can't we go. top that. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, I think it's something that we hit on often in, in the this podcast, the idea of education, right? Mm-hmm. Like educating the public on the benefit of mm-hmm. mixed income housing, mm-hmm. the benefit of the Highlander mm-hmm. and 75 North and projects like that, the benefit of uh, what you're going to bring out in this mm-hmm. um, this playbook affordability uh, idea mindset and and taking that to the public and saying, yes, this, this benefits everyone. This, mm-hmm. this is not just like a few people that benefit from us, but everybody benefits Omaha from benefits. us. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Omaha benefits, yeah. Absolutely. Quality of life for all of us. Yep. Yeah, yep. so I think that education piece is really central to it, right? And you know, April is fair housing month, so it's very timely, but Mm -hmm. the idea of talking through fair housing, uh, and you know, our history as not just a city, but nationally with the idea of fair housing and redlining and everything else. Uh, I think that'll go a long way in helping, you know, there's no one, uh, aid that's going to fix the affordability issue, but all of these things together, working with, you know, for-profit mm-hmm. organizations as well to, to create this housing stock that we need and not just spread out to, you know, miles and miles away from downtown, yeah. but trying to infill, I think is going to be really key. Yeah. yeah. It's so many hands have to be involved to make this. It's not, non, if nonprofits are the one leading the way, we're all going to be in a tough spot. So <laughs> good, good. Well, Hey, thank you again, thank Sydney, you, for joining Thanks, us today. Guys. Thanks, Sydney. Yeah. Uh, if you enjoyed today's podcast, Uh, or any of our past episodes, please help spread the word to your friends. Share us on social, if that's a, you say social. I think think that's what the kids kids say. Share us on social, (laughs) subscribe to the podcast, and review the show. The Omaha Podcast brings you the most relevant and up-to-date information on the real estate scene. If you have any questions or topic suggestions, please email us. You can find email address and the contact information in the show notes. And you'll also find uh, relevant links to what we discussed today. We look forward again next month.